let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, y'all? This is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcasts, welcoming you back and thanking you for being a part of this journey with us. You know you can hit us up at Sit Up Podcast on Facebook. You can also hit me at Leroy Barber on my Twitter, on my Instagram, or on my Facebook. All Leroy Barber. Shoot questions, comments, discussions you want to have. We would love your feedback and we continue to love it and shape these shows based on that. Well, we are right now, uh, we, we, oh, there's just so much happening right now for sit up. We, we were in Kansas city and we, you've heard some of the, some of the content that came out of Kansas city. We are in, uh, uh, Washington at the inhabit conference this past weekend. And we have so much content, uh, to come from that. You are going to love it. Uh, and then, we are headed this week into the Voices Conference. The Voices Conference, y'all know, uh, is my baby, right? It's, it is some work that Donna and I uh, put together about 10 years ago, and it is currently partnering with the United Methodist Church in the greater Northwest as part of my work there. And this weekend coming is our annual conference. And this annual conference brings together leaders of color from around the country for a couple days. And the purpose is to help promote and train and put the stories out of leaders of color. And if you are anywhere near Philadelphia on the 4th and the 5th of May, you need to be there. The lineup is great. Uh, the folks who will be uh, who will be who will be presenting uh, are some familiar names, but we try not to use the same names all the time. So there'll be some voices that are new. The place where we have the Voices Conference is at Mother Bethel Church in Philadelphia, the AME Church that was founded around Richard Allen's work uh, when he wasn't accepted as. A Methodist in the United Methodist Church when it was formed. Now, now this place is holy ground, in my opinion, for leaders of color, because that place represents a space where if you are told no as a leader of color, as a person of color, that you can't lead in a space, that you do not have to accept that. You can create and form and make something that is central for people of color that can last generations. That's what Mother Bethel Church represents. And that's why we have the conference there. And this year we're partnering with the Chinese Christian Church in Philly. So we're gonna be at Mother Bethel and at the Chinese Christian Church, because we are also in the middle of a, of a Black Asian conversation ongoing this year. So we would love for you to be there. Uh, this week we have uh, a, a, a Q&A that I did in Kansas City that we'll put out for you to listen in on. But 
after this week, there'll be a, just a run of fantastic content for you to connect to. This is Leroy Barber, the Sit Up Podcast. Let's begin. Listen, and let's be clear. You only get one chance, one opportunity, one request to appear, one moment to consider what you might hold dear, a few seconds to digest what might be coming near, a quick check of which direction you may want to steer. Maybe God is pro-choice. He gave each of us a will, a mind, a voice, and whether we will make statements, speak truth, or add to the noise is up to us to take the dust we've been given, to treat our seconds like cents and watch how we spend them, to use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them, take the negative thoughts we were taught, take our wounded souls and hearts, and let God mend them. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. So my husband and I are going to be doing a church plant, and I just want to hear from you what your preferences and your opinion on living in the community. You feel like you're called to plant in opposed to living outside the pros and cons of that. So um, I can answer probably those questions together. Uh, so I planted a few churches, uh, and one of those church plants, we planted with the idea, well, it emerged in a, in a community where we lived in that we were connect, going to connect the church deeply to the neighborhood through the Civic Association. And so uh, I became a member of the Civic Association, um, vice chair of the Civic Association. And so anytime the church, anytime we were going to do something as a church, we connected it with the community. Like there was, there was very little difference between um, our agenda and the community agenda, if any difference. And so things like, uh, you know, Resurrection Easter weekend, we do a full thing in a whole community from Easter egg hunt, basketball tournament to Sunday morning, put it all together, right? Uh, and then took that to the community association, the civic association, and said, hey, how do y'all feel about these things happening over this weekend? So, and then each, uh, our church strategically aligned itself around having a, a, a member on each, block, on each block moving through our community. And then the, those members um, doing kind of community dinners and getting to know their neighbors and things like that. So that, that kind of naturally brought the two together. So there wasn't very much separation of the community's agenda and the church's agenda. Um, and so, and it worked really well. Um, yeah. And I recommend that. I recommend churches being as deeply connected and engaged with community as, they, as possible. Well, I lived, I, I do have a value for living in the community, yeah. but everybody's not going to live in the community. So, but some people need to, you got to have some presence, yeah. right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think that um, my question is about this sort of scarcity mindset. So um, I believe that true change and true community transformation can't really happen unless um, people have a collaborative spirit. And so you have multiple organizations, nonprofits, churches, everybody is working together and true, truly partnering. How feasible 
do you think that that is as a goal when we seem to have this mindset that the more voice and the more vocal you are, the less power I have. The more resources you get, the less, the fewer there are available to me. Um, and so people have sort of started hoarding power and hoarding influence. How do you see a way to cut through this and have you seen success in your own work with doing it and, and fostering true a true mm -hmm. spirit of collaboration? Mm -hmm. I, I've seen it um, in different places. And I would say if there's a uniqueness that we can bring to the public square as uh, followers of Jesus, it's that, right? It's that we model partnership, we model collaboration, we model community and those kinds of things so that that gets in the DNA of, of the work, right? And of, of the life. I think too, um, I think life and church and being a follower of Jesus should all be kind of mingled. Right, it's when we separate it, I think, is where we get in trouble, right? So I won't have a problem collaborating if I see myself, my life as part of a community and a community as part of a church and those kind of things kind of getting together. Um, that, that, that gets rid of some of that, right? Because it's easy to collaborate uh, all around a baseball league, right? Like all the parents get together, people doing lunches and meals and all these kind of things, right? So, that's a that's a good place, right, to model some of the values that that we have, right, um, for people to to experience. Uh, the problem is, the problem and concern is getting getting followers of Jesus to see them participating in a baseball league is just as is very important in their life as a Christian, right? So, yeah. Um, and I was just thinking for for those of us who, you know, work in a foundation or who may potentially become an elected official mm -hmm. like and you have some sort of temporal power mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what are your reflections on that or challenges mm -hmm. or charges for those of us in the room that may have some of that yeah, that's good uh, so uh the work i'm doing now is a part of a denomination and i work for the denomination right and so that position is seen you know as this position of power even though i'm like you know, I, okay. Um, so I do think there are ways in which we can partner, right? We can we can create access, right? And we can partner, um, and we can learn from both both things, right? Uh, and that 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 possibility allows us to drive deeper into communities and neighborhoods or wherever that work might be if we see a mutual learning experience, right? Um, I think a lot of times, and this, this isn't always the institution's fault, right? That people see the institution as the big brother, right? And that we learn from the big brother uh, and it's kind of top down, hand down kind of thing. If we go into it thinking, okay, how are we gonna learn from this organization and this organization learn from us building a space of mutuality? I think that is where, where we can we can see those things working together. And seeing that as our role, right? If, if we work in those places, my role isn't to always be the teacher, right? My role is also to learn from local churches and community. So 
you know, a lot of us, a majority of us live, it might be different neighborhoods, but it's, a, you know, east side of Kansas City. Um, and then others don't live here, but we're trying to, you know, practice presence. Um, what would you say just as somebody who's done this <laughs> a lot, you know, we're two years and we're still new. Um, just what would your words of wisdom or if you looked back on yourself <laughs> at this earlier stage, what what would you say to us or even just some simple things that we could begin or that we could start doing? Um. So, well, one, I would encourage you like to go from a living room to 40, 50 people in two years is is pretty fast trajectory. Um, so one, I encourage you around that, like, that's, that's some amazing connections that you have made in a short time. Um, I think the, the other part of that is, yes, we value living in a neighborhood. Yes, we value community. We like, I think keeping those things at a core, but anything we become dogmatic about really begins to harm us. So being able to balance that, right? Don't, like when people come in and they don't live in a neighborhood, make sure there's space, right? Um, I think if I look back, that's probably where I made some mistakes and gone, no, you gotta live in a neighborhood. No, you like, and p anybody who, who came there who did it probably felt a little weird, right? And so I would say keep that balance of this is our value, this is what we live, this is what we believe, but we are not dogmatic about that, right? And I think that um, keeping some of that balance will be helpful. Yeah. Okay. So excellent. We talked earlier. So excellent message today. I'm just trying to think of how to frame this question, but the church, in my opinion, growing up was the trendsetter. Mm -hmm. You know, we set the stage for haircuts and mm -hmm. how you mm -hmm. raised your mm -hmm. kids mm -hmm. and what mm -hmm. marriage looked like. And now we're in a dispensation of time where the church is taking a back seat to the big time issues, you know, abortion, um, homosexuality, same sex marriage, all that stuff. I won't going all of that, but us being a new church, my wife and I starting a new church, and then really even the answers, um, I guess, how do you, how do you balance the differences between being a new church and being attractive and drawing new membership and stuff like that versus, in my opinion, the church having to become the voice in those issues. We can't take a backseat to those issues. I think the Bible's full of examples where the church was the leading force in those issues. So how do you balance the two between being that attractive new church that's pulling in new membership and you want your membership to grow, but you have to take stances on issues that affect um, the people, you know, that you're really trying to draw. Um, what's the best way to, I don't know if yeah. that framed that no, right no, for no, you. No, no, that's but, good. So one, I think, um, uh, Peter Drucker has this saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast, yeah, right? Love that, love that. And so many churches just strategize, right? That we're just gonna have a strategy for how we get out there and we do this thing, right? Without understanding the culture around them, without knowing the community, without, without discerning what's happening in your times, right? And I think, uh, I think that's really important work to do. Um, I think, I think I will, I will push a little bit against the church leading uh, as opposed to the church joining what God is already doing, right? So 
um, because then there are many participants in that in that space, right? So um, God is up to something in your community already, right? God is up to something wherever you're gonna you're gonna settle in and plant or be, right? So how do we join? How do we join what God is doing? Um, that that's the driving question, um, and less. Um, and I know we use the term missional, and I think the term missional is a little bit different than missions, but I think less of that um, in its traditional sense of we're doing stuff for a, a community or neighborhood as opposed to joining with. Um, just getting those things, letting those things be foundational in your language, I think helps a lot, right? Um, because it, it, it if you enter that way, the other side of the stances you need to take, that kind of washes, that kind of that kind of that kind of looks different, okay. right? As you as you dive into relationships with people. Okay. So, I would say less stances up front, more relationship, more getting involved in culture and, and community. Uh, Leroy, I have two questions, um, and one is really precise, and mm -hmm. if you want to skip it, fine. But I, I'm just curious if you're familiar with um, any Andy Crouch's work on power, and if you have critiques or responses. And so, should I stop there? Or no, no, I? I know Andy Crouch. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, I have not done any deep exploration of his work, uh, but I know Andy is. Um, he kind of backs up some of what he, he lives a lot of what he talks about. Mm -hmm. And so he works on uh, dismantling power mm -hmm. or decentralizing power. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that's some work. Um, and Andy would probably say this, I don't want to speak for him, but he would probably say that as a white male, a straight white male in America, that he's got he's to gotta decentralize. Oh, he abs um, I've heard him say power. it, yeah. So, but I just wondered, yeah, yeah. I, he's done a lot. And mm -hmm. your message today rem was kind of like his concepts, but like on the ground, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. But I wondered if you had, if you were familiar with the details of that, I'd be so interested in your critiques or your feedback. Yeah, on I, 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 I will check that out. I, I'm not super familiar, yeah. but I know him. Okay, great, yeah. And then my second question is, um, you know, I've watched you in your life over time. I think I told you from a distance, but I've watched you on one hand, it, it seems like have this real, like, kind of, um, I don't know, a clarity of calling and like a mission true, like there've been just been threads over your life and yet many different expressions of, of ministry and leadership and collaboration. And I would love to hear you talk about how you have navigated through different seasons of calling and um, and maybe some of it even ties back to the message, you know, this thing like the minute we think like the provision's here and then God like switches it up and there's this, <laughs> right. so like, when you find yourself in those liminal spaces, like the in-between spaces, like do you have go-to practices or maybe even as you just think about a few of those spots in your life story, um, what were really meaningful catalysts that have kind of helped you map <laughs> That's a good question. forward? That's a great question. And I would answer, start answering that question by the best learning is failure, oh, right? So, um, <laughs> it's, 
so and 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 uh, I'm actually I, I'm thinking about work doing a workshop on failure, and not framing it as failure as a negative thing, but failure as like getting you ready for the next step. Um, and so I feel like that has been tra tra trajectory for me. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> and the learnings have, have really come in when either some resource stopped or I made a mistake or I didn't read something correctly uh, and I was able to adjust. And I, I think, um, you know, for, I mean, we moved to, I'll give you an example. We moved to Atlanta um, uh, in 97 to help start a school. Uh, and my wife and I did that. Um, we jumped in, um, we started a school, but we also got active in our community uh, where we lived. And after three years, my time was done at that school. And I couldn't figure out why or what that was all about. Um, but the next like 14 years in Atlanta was all about community development. And so while I thought I was going there to, plant, to do this school, uh, based on the experience we had in Philadelphia. Um, and, we, you know, we were able to do that and get it started, but that wasn't the long-term trajectory for, for, um, for our life in Atlanta. And so um, the things like that have happened over and over again, like, oh, I'm going here for this, and then that changes, right? I work for a denomination now, right? Like. <laughs> I, I could have never called that, right? Uh, a majority white denomination, right? Like, never would have called that uh, in Portland. So um, it's, it's just building on one thing, one thing as God, as God leads. And my wife and I have definitely, we hold, um, we go deep in the community, but we hold things lightly in a sense, right? Uh, because... We don't know. I mean, honestly, we just don't know uh, where God is taking things. And sometimes it goes exactly where you think he's, God is going to take it. And other times it's a complete U-turn. And so just listening for that. What advice would you have for a family to live in their community well as a neighbor? And then you might have already just sort of answered it, but uh, how did you find God's calling for your own life? Uh, <laughs> Find God's calling. That was a hard one. Um, uh, I didn't plan. My wife, if my wife was here, she would tell you I lied to her, right? <laughs> because I wasn't supposed to be a pastor and all these kinds of things. Um, matter of fact, uh, I went to Temple University for accounting. That was my major. And my wife was like, I was supposed to marry an accountant. And... Uh, uh, but I think uh, what I could recommend is, you, have you heard of Parker Palmer? Anybody know that name? Yeah. So Parker Palmer, um, Let Your Life Speak, uh, was a book that really helped me uh, because that book um, uh, and some of his other writings help you, help me anyway, think about my life as a whole, not just in a particular moment, right? <laughs> Like all, all the way back, like when I was a kid, like 
here are things that stuck out. When I was a kid, I was always the one coming up with the ideas. I was always the first one to get in trouble, right? Because nobody else would do it, but I would, right? Um, and those kinds of things have been a trajectory for my life. Um, and I would just recommend taking that kind of an in inventory going, okay, like God, I want to do some work on who you created me to be. And that, that's, and that's not, that's not a super spiritual exercise all the time. That's like, oh, I always got in trouble for this or, you know, this was happening or I always said this or whatever. And putting that together to, to move into your calling. So um, I recommend that work. I kind of, again, I can't, that was after failures, right? That was after like starting college and going in the wrong major. So um, and then family moving in the neighborhood. I, you know, um, I think the biggest thing I could think of, or one thing, is like letting your life be in that place, right? And I, I'll give you some examples. So um, when we first early on started in, in Atlanta, uh, and we were from Philadelphia, Every, on holidays and things like that, we went back to Philadelphia, right? Because we wanted to go see our family and those kind of things. And that actually was a hindrance to our work in the community, right? And we had to figure out how to like be where God wanted us to be and let our life be there. Meaning like I, we can't go home every holiday. We can't go away every time, you know, we had some privilege, right? Uh, I can't just go away every weekend that I can or any of these kinds of things. Like let your life grow up um, in that community and neighborhood. And I, we begin to let our kids grow up in that community, in that neighborhood, their friends and their, um, uh, and those kind of things. So much so like my kids are, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm a Phillies, this is a little example. I'm a Phillies fan. My kids are Braves fans. Like, <laughs> like. That was terrible, right? Um, but those kinds of things. My son still lives in a neighborhood where we grew up, and he now runs the businesses there that I had the honor of helping start, right? Um, and so, uh, because that's his home. That's what he knows. And so, and sometimes what I figured out is like, the promise might not even be for me to see the end of, the promise is actually for my son to see the end of it, which is, which is kind of, it's kind of cool, but, but hard at the same time. Right. So, yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about, um, in terms of the relationship from a minority, from a underprivileged church, um, with a majority, you know, more privileged church in the same city. Um, how do you measure the, effectiveness of that relationship in terms of access mm -hmm. you know you talk about access right because you know the the underprivileged churches and, and folks typically don't know about where to go how to get access and then in terms of education because mm -hmm. uh, those two seem to work hand in hand you know because God educates us and yep. he gives us access to him yeah. um, so in terms of resources how do you measure if that relationship how that relationship is going well because it could last for years but yet the majority church, the privileged church is growing in terms of resource capacity and development, but yet the minority church is continuously in disarray and, and those things. How do you? Oh, let me answer that this way. So um, 
we're having conversations now around um, a denomination that's shrinking, right? Where you might have, a, 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 y'all probably have some in town, United Methodist buildings, right? That are these large structures, big steeple churches, um, and many of them have 10 or 15 people in them. Um, and then for that, for that church to stay open, they will rent out their space. And they'll rent out their space to this church, this community of color, this church that's growing, right? And so basically you have this system that wasn't intentionally built, but where you have these churches of color, Latino, African-American, international, paying rent to this United Methodist Church that's, that's dwindling away, keeping the building open, right? So you kind of got this like crazy system, right, that's emerging like, oh, this growing great church, this is not their building, they're paying rent so that the 15 people can meet. Uh, <laughs> At the, at, the, at, the, at the best time, quote unquote, right? Um, and so part of our conversation is going, well, you know, what we should be doing is if, you're, if, if there is a um, uh, church of color, right, that's meeting in a church like that, they should be gaining some equity in that building because one of the, one of the things that's happening is, is they're taking care of the building. They're fixing stuff. They're like, um, right, they're working on, I mean, you're talking about folks, these, this is their professions a lot of times, right? Like there's a church, there's, a, there's an example I won't say, but like it's a Latino congregation and most of the men there work construction and they're fixing the church up, right? Uh, and so what we're going is, hey, build in equity so that when this church is sold, Right. If it's sold, that 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 congregation has some equity. So the longer they stay there, if they stay there 10 years paying rent, they build equity over that 10 years. And when you sell this building, they get some of that. Right. Those are the kinds of things that we should be talking about when we're talking about these these uh, partnerships. Right. How is equity built so that you don't stay big brother and this congregation stays the small, small potatoes? I just want to hear a little bit more, and if I'm jumping ahead, I'm sorry about the internship and the upcoming oh, yeah, yeah. conference. Um, so the Voices is an uh, organization we started 10 years ago around um, supporting and promoting and training leaders of color. Um, and it really came out of our own experience of being involved for 20 years and in missions and in this kind of work and, and still not feeling like we were fully supported in this world and in, in this kind of community as a whole and not, under, not understanding like what story that I bring uniquely to this process as, um, as a black man, as a black woman, what is our, what do we bring and how do we, how do we, how is our story unique and able to be a part of the bigger story, right? Leaders of color generally, leave their stories or only put part of their stories on the table many times in these circles. Um, and Voices is so that you, we, we spend time saying, hey, no, 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 your, your story, your work, the way you got here, who God has created you to be is important. And that's who we, that's who we want to tease out, right? Uh, in a sense, right? Let that person be. 
um, because that's who God created you. Um, and so we do that with leaders of color. Uh, and once a year, we have a conference in May um, in Philadelphia at Mother Bethel, um, which is like the historic AME church, you know, one of the first in the country. Um, and it's a sacred place because it is a place where that actually happened, right? Where Richard Allen, because he wasn't accepted in one place, because he wasn't accepted in, in the Methodist church, didn't say, I'm not a preacher and I'm not, a, you know, no, I'm going to found this church. And he founded this church that is, you know, one of our largest denominations in the country. So that's what Voices is about. That's what we do there. Um, and we would welcome y'all to come, um, put a van load together and come on up. And uh, you'll be with other leaders of color from around the country uh, who, who want that same space. Uh, we do a couple other gatherings, smaller gatherings a year um, as well to create some of that same some of that same space. So that's the conference. And then the internship is do our work with United Methodists. We are we're actually um, we're actually going really hard and heavy around some, some of the same thing I just talked about, about voices around. No, there's leaders of color um, who uh, want to plant churches, who want to lead churches, who want to be involved. Um, and how do they how how do they get access to a denomination that's 94 percent white? Right. Where there is privilege. Right. And where there is resource. But many folks of color don't know how to get to that resource. And so we're doing internships. Um, we are opening. There's a lay pastor process. There's a process to connect with the denomination. You, you can do any of those things or none of those things. Right. Uh, when you come, you can just come to learn about. Uh, learn about running a nonprofit or learn about community engagement or learn about what, how, how do you connect with an institution even if it isn't ours, right? Um, and so that's the, it's seven weeks, um, mid-June mid, uh, mid to the end of uh, July. The best part, uh, best time to be in the Northwest actually, because it's beautiful, it doesn't rain. And so uh, yeah, and it's a paid internship. Um, and so, uh, and which includes housing and those kind of things. So if you, uh, if anybody's interested, definitely like let, leave me, give me your info um, and or write us. Or if you know someone who's gonna be home from college or has a summer free, uh, let me know. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Live life like you know the clock's ticking. On your mark, get set, ready. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.